He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would open our ears, that you would open our minds, that we would be able to experience this uh, just as Isaiah had intended it, just as your Holy Spirit had intended it. We ask you now to bless our time together and your word to our hearing in Christ's name. Amen. I think I've mentioned several times that I uh, listened to a lot of audiobooks. And so the last uh, week, I listened to an audiobook that I actually wanted to read the book for, I don't know, probably at least 10, 12 years. And uh, yet, it's not one of those books that you, it's like those movies that you kind of have that you know you want to watch, but it's just so dark that you just always put it off. You, you select a comedy instead because it's just that's the way you want to feel. Uh, this book is named It. That's its title. And it's about a boy who, at the time when he was pulled out of his parents' home, it was the uh, third worst case of child abuse in California history. And uh, what this boy uh, experienced over five or six years in his uh, home was just horrendous. And uh, when I read this verse... You know, I read that book this week or listened to it, and then I read this verse. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. It reminded me of what this boy experienced. His name was David Peltzer, and beginning when he was about six, his mom abused him, just began to abuse him, and it just got worse and worse until finally, six years later, he was uh, finally pulled out of her home. But uh, the words here, he was oppressed and afflicted relate to this. To be oppressed is to be subjugated. And so uh, Jesus was oppressed. And in the same way, David was oppressed. Uh, he was essentially the slave in the home. Even though he had many younger brothers, he was the one that did all the work. And his mother treated him like a slave in the home. When he was done with his chores, he had to go down into the basement and sit on the bottom step with his uh, hands under his buttocks. And if she ever opened the door and didn't see him sitting in that position, he'd get disciplined for it severely. And as soon as their meal was over, because he wasn't allowed to eat with them, he would be called up and he would then have these certain amount of time to get all of his chores done or he didn't eat. And at times his time in which he could get these chores done was so brief that he didn't eat for 10 days in a row. And he, it was just horrendous the, the, what he was subject, uh, subjected to. And in, then he was also afflicted. And so by being afflicted, that means that you're essentially being tortured. He was starved. He was debased. He was tormented. He, he would uh, have to undergo what he called the gas chamber. She would intentionally dump bleach and ammonia together in the bathroom and lock him in there for hours at a time. And uh, he would have to lie in a cold tub of water for hours. And then she would pull him out right at dusk and send him out to the backyard to sit on the rocks for several hours while his family was inside enjoying a dinner. And then he would be summoned in to do the chores. Uh, what I want to share with you, though, are the similarities of what Dave went through and Jesus went through and yet the differences. So... First, yet he opened not his mouth. 
David learned that if he ever opened his mouth, he'd just get it ten times worse. And so he learned not to complain. He just learned not to say anything. If he could avoid eye contact with her, he would. He just wanted out of her way. And his father essentially became an assistant to the mom in this way. The father had compassion on the son, but he would not stand up to the mother. And so the father, while early in this torment, he would help him. Later on, no, he would not, because the father knew that he would then catch it from his wife. And so he would not help her. So he learned not to complain that pleading didn't help him, but that didn't cause him to be at peace. Jesus opened not his mouth, and yet he was at peace with what was happening to him. He was doing it willingly. David was not doing it willingly. He was suffering this. And so you have a contrast in Jesus knowing full well what was happening to him and yet not opening his mouth. And with David, he was not opening his mouth just to try to minimize the uh, degree of torment he was experiencing. In uh, the next section, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Think about that, being led as a lamb to the slaughter. Being led means that you're not in control, that someone else is in control of you. And that's exactly what was true in both David's life and Jesus' life. David used to dream early on of his father as Superman because his father would at times promise him that he would one day save him from this. But then eventually he didn't. Eventually his father left the home. He left his wife, left his children, left his son David in this, in this uh, situation. And David, when he saw his father leave, felt for sure now he was going to die. Because when his father was a fireman, and so he'd be gone days at a time. And yet, when he was away, his torment was at least two or three times as worse. So when his father returned, he looked forward to that. Because even though he would still be treated badly, it wasn't as badly. And yet here his father was leaving the home for good. He wasn't going to be coming back. He longed for death, but she would never kill him. She would bring him close sometimes, but she would never kill him. And I think it's because she wanted him around. She enjoyed tormenting him more than if she were to have killed him at that point. Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter, but it was entirely willingly. Jesus could have exercised his own Superman powers at any moment, and yet he chose not to. Can you imagine being in a position where, where you yourself can save yourself from something like David was experiencing in that home and yet choosing not to? It's hard to believe that anybody could choose not to escape such torment. Yet Jesus did. Even though he himself was, to our eyes, Superman, he chose not to exercise his powers, to instead endure the torment that he did. And the last phrase is, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Again, the emphasis upon him not speaking. Isaiah emphasizes Christ's silence three times in this one verse. You all remember, uh, probably recognize this phrase. You have the right to remain silent, right? You're not being forced to remain silent. You have a right to remain silent. That's guaranteed us in the Fifth Amendment. We are free from self-incrimination because oftentimes in England, people would be tortured to death because they wanted to get a confession out of them. And they would torture people in order to get them to incriminate themselves. 
And so our Bill of Rights guarantees that our government will not, should not, cannot do that. If they do, they're violating that Fifth Amendment. You have the right to remain silent. Some of us I probably, I probably think it's in the Constitution. But that phrasing is actually from the Miranda warning, which came out of a Supreme Court case in 1966. But uh, the silence of Jesus was his silence, a silence due to him not wanting to incriminate himself. No, it was the exact opposite. He did not speak such that he would yet be found guilty and held accountable. For him to speak was to defend himself. He would not defend himself before Caiaphas. He would not defend himself before Herod. He would not defend himself before Pilate. Each of them was thought this odd. I mean, they were struck by why would this man not want to defend himself? He's here being uh, accused of these crimes. People want to execute him. Why is he not bringing us a defense? And it's because of that. He did not want to defend himself because he knew to, to do what he needed to do. He needed to be found guilty. He needed to be silent and go to the slaughterer. Now, he gave up his rights in this, right? Because it was certainly his right to defend himself. It was certainly his right to uh, uh, stand up for himself. But yet he gave those up for us. Jesus was shorn as the sheep in our stead. And so what we got from Jesus were robes of righteousness. So with the fleecing that occurred to him, the shearing that occurred to him, God used that to make us all robes of righteousness. So Jesus sacrificed his wool for us, and yet he also sacrificed his life for us. He was eaten by evil, eaten by the enemy. The table draws our attention to this fleece because we essentially come here and revel in these robes of righteousness that have been purchased for us by what occurred to him. And so Jesus was silent. And the beautiful thing, though, is that he is silent no more. The word calls out to us, proclaims to us with his voice. And yet for that time on earth, he remained silent. He didn't allow his word to, to be proclaimed in these people's hearts such that they would see, such that they would prevent him from dying because he knew he needed to die for us. So as we come to the table, we come to the sheep that was shorn in order to provide us robes of righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the sacrifice of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that he is here with us that he's, his voice uh, will not return to him void. It will accomplish all of his will. And we thank you, Lord, now in Christ's name we pray and give you thanks. Amen.